Panda Bear and Sonic Boom's 2022 album, Reset, really peacocks the power of collaborative friendship in creating music. You got a pair of musicians from two different generations, from opposite ends of the Atlantic Ocean, united by mutual admiration of one another. Built on the framework of using samples from 1950s and 60s chamber pop songs, the creation of Reset is as boundless with imagination as the finished product is with providing inspiration. This album is a fucking banger, and we have an orgy of nicknames to go through. I'm Brennan. Welcome to Boogie Chits. Let's go in chronological order and start with the older of the duo. Peter Kemper, a.k.a. Sonic Boom. Peter was born November 19, 1965 in Dunchurch, England, which is located in the English Midwest. Dunchurch has like old ass buildings from the 15th century and there's, there's probably not much to do there. At 16, Peter starts attending rugby art college and meets a classmate named Jason Pierce, who like Peter plays guitar and is also a music enthusiast. Jason was also born on November 19th. You know, 1965, they have the same exact birthday. Jason Pierce is from rugby, the same town as the college. And the sport of rugby was invented right there in rugby. No shocker there. When they meet, Pierce is already in a band called Indian Scalp. But he and Peter become close enough friends that Jason leaves Indian Scalp to start, you know, something new with his art school buddy. They round up a drummer and bass player and call the band The Spacemen. The gigs are infrequent, but when they happen, they are weird, like right out of the gate, playing like single chord drone guitar songs for like the 20 minute set duration. Peter and Jason are teenagers with like a bad attitude. They're into craft work, Velvet Underground, Suicide, The Stooges, MC5, Cramps. They're into loud, distorted guitar and minimalism as far as like stage stage presentation. You know, the sole reason Peter Kemper went to art college was to start a band. It got him out of Dunchurch and onto like, you know, onto an artistic hog farm, if you will. I had a roommate that did that. My, I went to um, film school in the San Fernando Valley and I had a roommate. He did the same exact thing. He went to that college. It was Columbia College. It was like a, like a small film school. Um, but he went there specifically so he could move to Los Angeles and, and like be a musician. He was a really good bass player. I don't know what the fuck happened to him, but, uh, Peter Kemper did the same thing. It should also be noted, Peter Kemper, he gives himself the nickname Sonic Boom while at rugby. Jason Pierce gets the nickname J Spaceman. So from here on out, I'm going to solely, uh, go by nicknames with these guys. So Jay Spaceman, he transferred to a different art school in 1983. So the original drummer and bassist, bassist's name is Peter Bain, they dip out to start a new band. The Spacemen, they're done. And Sonic Boom, you know, Sonic Boom is left there holding his uh, pecker. Inactivity's brief, though. The following year in 1984, Sonic Boom and Jay Spaceman link back up, get a drummer named Nicholas Natty Booker and record a demo. I think Jay Spaceman, he got a car. So that was the game changer. So he can now commute from his new art school to back to rugby 
to do uh, band practice and boom, forward, here we go. They were recording at a couple hundred cassette copies of their demo made. It's called, For All the Fucked Up Children of This World, We Give You Spacemen 3. It's kind of corny. Sonic Boom came up with the revised band name Spacemen 3 because he wanted the word the eliminated because it sounded like two 1950s, which is funny based on the, um, of all the samples for, for the album we're covering today. The demo was sold on cassette via mail order or at a rugby record store called Convergence. I've never heard the first Spaceman 3 demo, but it supposedly has like a weird blues, t- syrupy blues tinge to it. I don't even think, I don't, I don't, I'm sure you can get it on YouTube. In 1985, the band gets Peter Bain back as bassist and Spaceman 3 are once again a four piece. They record a second EP that comes out in January 1986 called Taking Drugs to Make Music to Take Drugs to. This is also basically the band's mantra. Sonic Boom and um, Jay Spaceman were total fucking druggies. Sonic Boom actually had a journalist accompany him on a trip to his methadone clinic while giving an interview. Spaceman 3 are getting a little popular in underground England. Both of their EPs find their way onto the tour bust of an artist called The Jazz Butcher, which was this stage alias for singer-guitarist Pat Fish. Everyone's got a fucking nickname. By the way, Pat Fish, so they get The Jazz Butcher is the group, his, you know, his group's name. His real name is Pat Fish, but that's also a nickname. That Pat Fish is a nickname for whatever his real name is. It's just layered nicknames. The whimsical jazz butcher had become a popular underground act, and they talk up the Spaceman 3 every chance they get, even on stage. The jazz butcher's on Glass Records, and at his recommendation, Glass Records grabbed Spaceman 3 for a two-album, three-year record deal. Sonic Boom and Jay Spaceman are ready to throw down some uh, full-length albums. Spaceman 3 released their first official album in 1986 called Sound of Confusion. It's seven songs. Three of them are covers, but it showcases the relentlessly hypnotic guitar psychedelia that Spaceman 3 would become known for. Jay Spaceman, he's the primary lead vocalist on the, on the songs. It's a very unique sound at the time. Sound of Confusion would eventually be noted as one of the first shoegaze records, a genre that would explode in the UK in the early 90s. I don't want to go too deep on shoegaze here, but it's a phenomenal subgenre of, of rock and roll. It's all about exploring guitar texture. I'd say the grand pooba template for shoegaze albums is My, Bloody's Val- My Bloody Valentine's Loveless from 1991 ear splitting guitar overdrive that has you know that's had alternative music journalists wetting their panties for over 30 years that album that band in general they put they released an album like 10 years ago it was an mv mbv or something the jesus and mary chains psycho candy that's from the mid 80s is probably the most cited record for inspiring the genre but spaceman 3 always get a nod in there as well uh Pitchfork just did an article. Woke Fork did something on like the reemergence of of uh, shoegaze in today's music. So go check that out if you want to read. Okay, in 1987, Spaceman Three released their second album for Glass Records called "The Perfect Prescription." Okay, my God, what a fucking masterpiece we have here! 
Do yourself a favor and go listen to The Perfect Prescription by yourself when you have a chance. Please note, though, it is not available on streaming platforms. There's a compilation on like Spotify, Apple Music, and all that shit called Forged Prescriptions. But that contains like alternative and demo versions of the songs. But it's not the same album. So like the artwork of both albums is very similar. But Forged Forged Prescriptions is not the perfect prescription. It's like Perfect Prescription is like a loose concept album based around the band's like narco-friendly tagline, taking drugs to make music to take drugs to. This album's a godsend. It's stoner rock with like a sensitive streak. There's nice string arrangements in spots. It's beautiful and perfect music to take drugs to. So, I don't know. Go get yourself a bottle of Pinot Noir from the Willamette Valley or eat a 30-milligram gummy or get a flat surface, a dollar bill, and a Bic lighter. Find an Oxy. Crush that shit under the bill with the lighter. Scrape it into two lines and blast off. Make it a blockbuster night and bathe in the wall of sound of the perfect prescription. I have the 1996 Tang Records reissue of Perfect Prescription on compact disc. But it's it's available on YouTube. The Tang in Tang Records stands for Teenagers Are No Good. Spaceman 3 only played like 20 shows in 1987 when this album came out. But in January 1988, they started a six-week tour of Europe. One of those gigs at the Melkweg in Amsterdam was recorded on 16-track and then released as performance in 1988. It's a live album to close out their partnership with, with Glass Records, who they ended up having problems with. Sonic Boom and Jay Spaceman were fighting with each other a lot, too. These two guys are cranky bastards, let me tell you. Plus, they were fucked up all the time. In In 1988, Spaceman 3, they turned down an offer to open for the Pixies, who were on their first tour of England. Despite their their deteriorating relationship, the four in Spaceman 3 released their most critically and commercially successful album of their tenure in early 1989, Playing With Fire. The song Revolution from that album was pretty popular. Suicide's another good track on there. Spaceman 3 would play their largest gig that year, which also turned out to be their last, at the Reading Festival. The band would release one more album before splitting up in 1991 called Recurring. That album is one side of Sonic Boom songs, and the other side is all Jay Spaceman songs, and neither of them plays on each other's songs. So, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say the signs are that Spaceman 3 is done. So they had a, Space Man 3 had about a nine-year run that has become legendary post-mortem. Sonic Boom and Jay Spaceman are only like 25 years old when the band breaks up. In the last two years of their tenure, Spaceman 3 were tentatively booked for like 50 shows in the U.S. Never came to be, but if it had, there's a good chance that Sonic Boom and Jay Spaceman would have crossed paths with the Grunge Hunks and the Lady Faces on their perspective touring tracks. I can see the grunge hunks totally being into the Spaceman 3, no doubt. Dreamwolf Cornell and Grohl would definitely be, um, I could see those two guys. I could. It's just the a, a, a sound, that overdrive sound would link. The Lady Faces, maybe not so much. Brett Michaels, 
Axel, they're way up into their own shit by now. They don't care about some underground, you know, British band. I'll tell you that I would love to see Spaceman 3 blow that simian face right off of John Bomblomi's head. That guy couldn't handle Spaceman 3. They were anti-performance. They had like the lava lamp style light show, but the the members kept their physical presence, you know, out of the forefront. So as Spaceman 3 are breaking up in 1991, 13-year-old Noah Lennox is in the on-deck circle of starting high school across the Atlantic in the Roland Park section of Baltimore, Maryland. Born July 17th, 1978, Noah got into music real early. He learned piano and cello very young and would end up singing tenor in his uh, high school chamber choir. He's also a good athlete. Noah, good at baseball, basketball, just like his brother, Matt. Noah gets into house and techno music in his teens. Aphex Twin being his favorite artist and an inspiration for the years to follow. His discovery of like house and techno music, that was, he was locked into being a musician after he heard that shit. So Noah starts recording experimental music at his house, looping sounds together, using whatever instruments and equipment he has laying around. Amazingly, he starts swapping homemade recordings with three other friends from his high school who are actively doing the same thing as him. Can you imagine going to a high school where your friend group all make original experimental tech music? Noah is also into drawing, and he labels his recordings as Panda Bear because that was his favorite thing to draw at the time. So in that movie, Superbad, the fat kid, he's always drawing penises. Noah does this with panda bears, which is like, it's actually weirder to me. But that's how he gets the artist moniker, Panda Bear. And we will call him that from here on out. Noah Lennox is gone. We now have Panda Bear. Everyone with the nicknames and it, and it continues. Panda Bear and his friends also collaborate together on recordings. And this is how acclaimed experimental psych pop outfit animal collective is born it's four guys trading music they make in their bedrooms and then forming it into a band unit they all got nicknames you got noah panda bear lennox josh dib aka deacon that's uh deacon d-e-a-k-i-n deacon donuts deacon is the least participant Patori member of in the group's catalog he's appeared on seven of the 12 animal collective lps Deacon and Panda Bear had been friends, have been friends since second grade. Okay, third, you got Dave Portner, whose Animal Collective moniker is Avitare, A-V-E-Y space T-A-R-E. And then the final one is Brian White's, a.k.a. Geologist. So to recap, here's Animal Collective. Panda Bear, Deacon, Avitare, and Geologist. They're like Wu-Tang Clan. If Wu-Tang Clan were from like New Rochelle instead of Staten Island and met while working at Trader Joe's, you would have Animal Collective. In 2000, all four of these guys are living in New York City. Panda Bear and Deacon moved there after attending college in Boston. Avi Tear and Geologist moved to the city to attend NYU and Columbia uh, University, respectively. Avitaire ends up putting together some live shows at NYU and has a class with one of the brothers from the Brooklyn noise duo Black Dice. Animal Collective start opening shows for Black Dice and P- 
Panda Bear has said that Black Dice's mode of operation is where Animal Collective learned how to, to function as a band. I would say, you know, Animal Collective are very much part of that revival of, of original music in New York City that hugged 9-11. You know, they don't break huge like the Strokes, Interpol, or Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, but they keep plugging away and are definitely an indie buzzer. I am not a fan of Animal Collective records. Just have never landed for me. Pretty much one and done's across the board. I hope you feel differently. Um, we're not going to go through each Animal Collective uh, album. In 2003, the band starts their own label called Paw Tracks, which releases only albums by the members of AC in you know various forms under different names. Like as an example, in 2005, Panda Bear released an album under the artist named Jane. It was an electronic album made by him and some guy he worked with at Other Music, which a record store in, in Brooklyn. We've talked about Paw Tracks on Booger Tits before. The first non-animal collective artist Paw Tracks released music for was Ariel Pink. I, whatever episode that was a few months ago. I would say Peak Animal Collective as a unit is 2007's Strawberry Jam and then 2009's Merryweather Post Pavilion. That was a huge album that year. That has My Girls on it, which I would say is the biggest Animal Collective song, the most recognizable. As of this year, Animal Collective have 12 LPs out, including last year's Isn't It Now. I have not heard that one, and I don't feel like checking it out, to be honest with you. But if you are into Animal Collective, they do provide. You got tons, tons of music to listen to. Animal Collective, guys, they also release solo albums. Panda Bear is the, I would say, is clearly the most prodigious member of, of the Trader Joe's Tank clan. His solo albums gain as much critical and hip praise as the ones done by the full band, no doubt. In March 2007, about six months before Strawberry Jam is released, the Panda Bear solo album Person Pitch comes out. And for me, this is the best album under the Animal Collective umbrella in the entire catalog to this day. It's sample heavy and it's a solid listen all the way through. But there another guy who was into person pitch when it came out was Sonic Boom. He was at a friend's bachelor party in 2007 when some when something from person pitch came on a playlist and he instantly asked, yo, what the fuck is this? He was floored by the layered sound and the sample laden approach. The following week, Sonic Boom began looking for contact and eventually got on the phone with Panda Bear, who indeed was a Spaceman 3 fan. So they're fans of one another. Since the dissolution of Spaceman 3 in 1991, Sonic Boom kept making music, but nothing really took on a grand scale. He released several albums under the name Spectrum and then EAR, e which stands for Experimental Audio Research. The music fits the title. His old partner, Jay Spaceman, fared, uh, fared better commercially after Spaceman 3, definitely. He formed the band Spiritualized that same year as the breakup. So he, and they're still going. Uh, Spiritualized is still going. Um, Jay Spaceman's been the only constant member. It's, it's his thing. I mean, it's like 30 years now. Uh, Spiritualized has been going. Jay Space. The reason Jay Spaceman started 
spiritualized is because the last, as I said, the last Spaceman 3 gig was in 89. The band stayed together until 91. Um, so in that downtime, he formed spiritualized to get back on the road. He wanted to, you know, wanted to make money on the road and do whatever. And, you know, thus that band was born. Spiritualized 1997 album, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. That is an alt classic, no doubt. The third track on that album, I think I'm in love, is an earworm playlistable banger. Go check it out. It's like eight minutes long. I saw, uh, I I saw Spiritualized do this album in full with um, they were acoustic with an orchestra section. It's got to be close. This is about 15, 20 years ago. I want to say like 2008. It was at the famed Apollo Theater in Harlem. What a weird, you know, gig to go to. It was a good show, but I kind of wish it was just like the electrified straight band version. I will say this, though. I did I did blast a rail in the Apollo Theater bathroom, though. I'm very proud of that. Make it a blockbuster night. Going to music to take drugs to make boogie chits too. So I did blow in Apollo Theater bathroom and also Tipitina's. Sonic Boom had also gotten into the technical side of making records after uh, Spaceman 3's breakup. He helped Dean and Britta remix an album and produce some band named Blair 1523's debut album. In 2010, he co-produced along with the band MGMT's second album, Congratulations. That's a much more psychedelic affair than the band's hit hardy debut, Oracular Spectacular. You know, I looked it up, and the two guys in MGMT go by their real names, Andrew and Benjamin. No nicknames for, for MGMT. Sonic Boom's band Spectrum opened a show in England for MGMT in 2009, which might have been how he eventually wound up producing follow-up 2011 after maintaining contact and mutual admiration of each other's work panda bear and sonic boom finally work together animal collective are at their indie pop zenith at this point it's a year after merryweather post pavilion came out panda bear releases his person pitch solo follow-up called tomboy in 2011 co-produced with sonic boom Sonic Boom actually just did a final mix on it, and that's the one Panda Bear liked. So he, I don't know if they really worked together in the creation of the music. It was more like a mixing thing. Tomboy is like woozy and trance-like. I wasn't into it. Still not. I, I had no idea, though, that a member of Spaceman 3 was involved you know, with this album when it came out. The vocal harmonies are impressive, as always, with Panda Bear. Panda Bear and Sonic Boom, they team up again in 2015 for another Panda Bear solo album called Panda Bear Meets the Grim, Grim Reaper. I re- they use a lot of hip-hop beat sampling on that one. I like it more than Tomboy, but still kind of boring to me. It just doesn't land. Your ears may tell you something different, and I hope they do. So as we approach the recording of Panda Bear and Sonic Boom's first collaborative album, Reset, Noah Lennox at this point, he's continued to make music in various forms, including with Animal Collective and Peter Kember, Sonic Boom. He co-produced Beach House's 2018 album, Seven, and then helped mix Moon Duo's 
2019 album Stars of the Light. Oh my God, I cannot wait to get to the Moon Duo and the world of Ripley Johnson. So they stay, you know, right up to this point, they're always busy. Two unbelievable artistic careers, you know, in the in the creative sense. Over the course of a, a few various sessions in Lisbon and Sintra, Portugal, Panda Bear and Sonic Boom get together to bang out what becomes Reset. It was recorded in 2020 and 2021 and is ultimately an isolation COVID record. Reset is nine tracks at around 38 minutes, single drive time listen, and what a treasure to behold. The framework of this record is built around sampled loops taken from the intros of pop songs from the 1950s and 60s. Sonic Boom was initially blown away by Panda Bear's um, Person Pitch album, which was sample heavy, so they traveled down that road with Reset. A lot of samples. So during the recording of this album, Sonic Boom is in his mid-50s and Panda Bear is in his mid-40s. Let's start bumping. Opening track of Reset is called Getting to the Point. Like 15 seconds in and I was like, ooh, this motherfucker is for me. The main riff is a sample taken from the 1960 Eddie Cochran song called Three Steps to Heaven. Here, take a bump and get into the point. album hits you right in the face and it doesn't let up till it's over the song three steps to heaven was recorded right before eddie cochran's death and then released right after eddie cochran was only 21 years old when he died car accident while on tour in england with gene vincent total tragedy eddie cochran he wrote that the famous song summertime blues he was going to be huge he had that like good looking bad boy thing um he was the only one that died in the car accident. It was, um, they were taking a cab. It was him, his girlfriend, Gene Vincent, and maybe one other person. And the cab driver was like a 19 year old kid. And right before the, the cab made impact, the cab made impact with like a tree or whatever. Eddie Cochran, like dove across the back seat to like protect everybody in that back seat from impact. And he was the only one that died. He's like a fucking superhero. The curious case of uplifting quirk continues with the next song go on, which was the first of two singles released off of reset. The high vocals on this album are Panda bear. And this is the first taste of sonic boom laying down his weird frog vocals. Yeah. 
I don't think Sonic Boom is like much of a singer, but the way his vocals are inserted into this particular project, it adds another wonderful layer of character. Totally works. Sonic Boom did the vocals on Transparent Radiation, which is one of the best jams on Spaceman 3's Perfect Prescription masterpiece. Transparent Radiation is actually a cover song. I didn't know that. From by Red Crayola, 60s experimental band. Who I, I think they're still going today. I think they're American Red, Red Crayola. I, I don't know. I the, They look like a band worth checking out, though. That dun-ding, dun-ding. That, that is a sample from the 1967 single by the Trogs called Give It To Me. It was written by Reg Presley. Cool name. I don't know if it was a hit, but it didn't reach the level of Wild Thing, which Reg Presley also wrote in the Trogs did. Tone Loke, of course, has the best version of that jam. Funky Cold Medina. The third song is the first without any use of old pop song samples. This is all Panda Bear and Sonic Boom, and it's a beauty called Every Day. album is so beautiful to me i i apologize if i say that after every uh after every clip panda bear he moved to lisbon portugal in 2004 and he's lived there ever since sonic boom moved to portugal seven years ago there's a sort of bullfighter percussion element to this record at times especially on every day you could hear portugal's right next door to spain which is where the musical genre Pasa Doble was formed. That's like the fast-paced beat that was used by Spanish infantry troops to march to, like in old in olden times. It eventually morphed into a modern dance, and it's also that music that's played during bullfights. So I'm just guessing that Panda Bear and Sonic Boom, Boom use like a Pasa Doble vibe on this record. Detective Brennan. I can't confirm if that's true or not, but... You know, when in Rome, when in Lisbon, another banger in the four spot, Edge of the Edge is the name of the song. This was the second single released off of Reset, and it's probably the most popular song on the album. It's another absolute uplifter. Panda Bear is like a harmony layering wonderkin. But all those little flourishes that you hear in these songs, just those little squeaks and cadoodles or whatever the fuck, that's a sonic boom. 
So it's just like two weirdos just making this absolutely jaw-dropping music. I love it. Okay, Edge of the Edge contains a sample from the 1963 doo-wop song Denise by Randy and the Rainbows, written by a guy named Neil Mel Levinson. I picture him looking like um, George Costanza's father in a, the, from, what the fuck's that shit, from Seinfeld. The, the ooh part, that's the, um, you know, that's the sampled uh, portion of Denise. Oh, Blondie recorded a version of Denise in 1978 and called it Dennis. So they do a, a gender flip on the song's protagonist. Debbie Harry, Harry, all about the cock, not into scissor. He wants Dennis, not Denise. In My Body is the fifth song. No samples on this one. We had that we had, after a groovy front four. It gets a little spacey here. Vocal harmonization on this album is incredible. I'm pretty sure "In My Body" is about uh, shooting dope. I don't. I don't think um, Panda Bear is like a, a druggy guy, but you know, maybe that's going back to the uh, having shades of the methadone clinic, clinic trip for a Sonic Boom. They keep the ethereal mood going with Whirlpool. I love this song, and by now, this album's cadence is in your bloodstream. So that light and tender intake of this music just becomes seamless and without questions, you know? You just take it in. Let's get into the stall and take a bump of Whirlpool. Taking drugs to make music, to take drugs to, while making boogie chits. I love when both guys do um do the vocals. Sonic Sonic Boom, he seems like a cocaine chipper to me. Like little bumps all night. That was not my preferred style of doing blow. No way. I prefer the dump the bag, lay out a few giant cannons, and blast off before you even walk out the door. That little plastic sack should be licked and gone before the night begins. Danger is track seven. Contains a sample from the Everly Brothers song, Love of My Life. I'll tell you, Panda Bear sounds more vulnerable on Danger than the Everly Brothers do on the the, uh, Love of My Life original. Yeah. 
Panda Bear and Sonic Boom use some crazy equipment to get the sound of this album. It's the Vox Starstream guitar. You should see this fucking thing. It has an onboard preamp that can create like any sound in the world. It's crazy. The Eventide H910 harmonizer, which David Bowie used the shit out of for his 1977 masterpiece, Low. And the Arturia Micro Freak Synthesizer, which has like 22 sound engines to create the weirdest sounds one can imagine. Micro Freak. I can't say the word micro without going to the genital region. I don't want to guess what people of public interest, which ones might have a micro penis, but I have to. Jack Black. I feel like there's possibly a small tragedy in those gym shorts. It's actually more fun to guess who might have a hanger. Huey Lewis from Huey Lewis in the News. Has to have a hog, I imagine. Doesn't need the news. The news arrives when he unzips those Wranglers and flops that Bay Area bomber into his open palm. I bet you Matthew Perry had a tiny dick. It's always, The lesbian-looking guys always run the greatest risk of, of having micro. Ross has that long horse face, so he might be holding large. I don't know. Maybe in the uh, Instagram post for this episode, people can give their opinions and guess one famous person with a micro and one with a magnum. Living in the Living in the After is the next to last song. Contains samples from the jam Save the Last Dance for Me by the Drifters. Lubin on the carousel, on the carousel, and they keep on song has like a Beetlejuice vibe to me. I can't explain it. I hate to say it, but Otho from Beetlejuice might be working with a micro. He has that puffy lesbian body, inability to grow facial hair, chest like a throw pillow, not good. I feel like Otho has been talked about on this show before. All right, we're going to close reset with the song. Everything's been leading to this. This song just winds itself up into a fury, and it's a a perfect closer. It's like the grand finale of a fireworks show. No chamber pop samples, just Panda Bear and Sonic Boom going all in. Tons of music, tons of noises, tons of great vocal harmony. Everything's been leading to this is better served in full. Um, doesn't translate as well through a clip. You got it because of the buildup. You just got to get there. It just starts to rev you up. It's amazing. 
You got to listen to this album like all the great ones by yourself in a vulnerable state with headphones. I promise you this is a very special album, you know, of only the last uh, year and a half. So, you know, new music is still very good. You know, there's just so much music. Some of it has to be great. And often it is, at least to me, I'm a total slut with music. I love everything. Um, Panda Bear and Sonic Boom Reset was released on August 22nd, 2022 by Domino Records to universal praise. I would say it's the most joyful music either one of these guys has ever made. It's incredible that the musically heady Panda Bear and the often like dourish Sonic Boom together made such an inspirational album. It like hits the heart like a speed bag. Only been out a year and a half, as I said, so still fresh. Panda Bear and Sonic Boom, they took this album on the road. Uh, they played America. They played the Knockdown Center in Queens this past July. I wasn't there, but if I was, I would have been crying. They did the album like straight through with some extra stuff in the encore. Panda Bear's vocals, they sound great in the live setting. And Sonic Boom, he's uh, he plays the kazoo and all kinds of weird shit on stage to to give um, you know, give the songs the flourish. Also this past July, British producer Adrian Sherwood, he did a remix of Reset called Reset and Dub. It's okay. Nice dub translations of these songs. Worth checking out. But it doesn't quite hit the heart like this one does. Yeah, Reset is, uh, to me, it's sonic inspiration for weirdos, you know? And I I like being a weirdo. Always have. Always will. And I like inspiration, too. And there's so much of both in Reset that it could easily fill Huey Lewis's jeans if, God forbid, he ever lost that hammer. Anyway, new album, new episode next Tuesday. Take care. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 